0: Press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front.
1: From the Journalists of the Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Monday, October 17. There's a budget in just over a week and nearly $10 billion in regional grants promised by Scott Morrison could be axed. Infrastructure Minister Catherine King says even some Labor election promises are being reviewed and may not go ahead. Religious discrimination is on the rise, according to leaders of the major faiths. They want the Albanese government to revive promised legislation to protect religious freedoms. They're expecting Attorney General Mark Dreyfus to release draft laws early next year. China faces dangerous storms ahead but will be the most powerful nation in the world. That's the message leader Xi Jinping has delivered to the Communist Party faithful at a major gathering in Beijing. More on that and how President Xi is having himself installed as Supreme Leader for an unprecedented third term in just a moment. Plus, later in the episode, the trial of a man accused of raping liberal staffer Brittany Higgins is racing to its conclusion. Comrades. Modern, prosperous, socialist and unstoppable. Xi Jinping has delivered his vision of China's future and an aggressive defence of his leadership as he asks the Communist Party leadership to endorse him for a third five-year term. President Xi says he's made the right calls on harsh COVID-0 policies, cracking down on Hong Kong and making military threats to invade Taiwan. He was speaking at the week-long Party Congress in Beijing, where a new cohort of leaders is presented for election. I'm joined now by our correspondent, Will Glasgow. Will, tell us, what's the Congress all about?
2: Well, this is the biggest political meeting in the Chinese calendar. It happens every five years, and it's when key positions in the party that is From the very top, the Standing Committee, the currently seven most powerful comrades, the 25 members of the Politburo, the 300 odd members of the Standing Committee, and then Communist Party positions all throughout the Chinese government are reshuffled every five years. This meeting's quite different, though, because at the top of the pile is Xi Jinping going into this meeting. He's been the leader for Two terms, 10 years, that used to be the limit for how long you would run the Communist Party in the modern era. Coming out of it, Xi Jinping will still be comrade numero uno. He'll be going to his third five year term and he might do a fourth, he might do a fifth. We'll find out.
1: How's he executed that decision and why do we know that before this vote's even been taken, Will?
2: From the last of these meetings, a shocking meeting, the 19th Party Congress, where breaking all precedent. When the leaders on the last day of this, they walk onto the stage, we find out who are the new standing committee members. And it was clear that no one was of the appropriate age to succeed him. And it was a signal that she had sent that he wasn't going anywhere. And within months, he then removed the presidential term limit at the National Congress.
1: So, Will, what's the practical change there? Was this ever really a real election process? And does this make him now actually a dictator?
2: It's a big change. Previously, we would be waiting for the end of this party congress where the new leadership team would come on and people would, pecanologists, you know, would be looking at the new team and talking about how many are liberals and how many are conservatives and talk about the different factional mix. Frankly, I think some of that was wish casting, but there were different personalities with different approaches to policy on that standard committee and Politburo. Now we'll be seeing a team that's entirely picked by Xi Jinping, where he's had the final say over everything. There's no such thing as factional contests anymore. There'll be new people in important jobs. You know, there'll be a new premier who'll nominally be in charge of the economy. There'll be a new chief economic advisor and all sorts of different positions that remain important because of the size of China. But ultimately, Xi Jinping is the guy at the top of it, setting the policy across everything in China.
1: We heard last week reports that there'd been some rare protests against Xi Jinping or against the Congress. What happened to those? And what does the fact that they even happened say?
2: That happened just just days before, and it lit up the Chinese internet and the China Twitter world. The Chinese internet quite briefly until it was censored and purged. The guy who did it was arrested minutes afterwards I mean some people again they look on that and see a signal that there's unrest within China and that not everyone is on board with Xi Jinping's rule now there's 1.4 billion people in China and you can be quite confident not everyone is on board but I think a lot of people again wish cast about what does that mean and how vulnerable is she really for me the take out from that was one person across a country of 1.4 billion people did that There's been almost no protest that we've seen ahead of this Congress. I mean, she's taking a third term is such a shocking change for many people in China. Privately, many people are furious about this, but people are very scared.
1: Will Glasgow is The Australian's North Asia correspondent. Coming up, we're entering the final week of a sexual assault trial sparked by Brittany Higgins' allegations. Kristen Shorten joins us for What to Expect. Today, the third week of the Bruce Lehrman sexual assault trial begins in Canberra. This is the man who's pleaded not guilty to raping former Liberal Party staffer Brittany Higgins. I'm joined now by our journalist, Kristen Shorten, who's been covering the trial. Kristen, what are we expecting this week and how close are we now to the end of this trial?
0: Well, Claire, we're very close this week, we're expecting to hear from the final Crown witnesses. They include Senator Michaela Cash, Senator Linda Reynolds, who was Brittany Higgins' boss at the time of the alleged rape, and also her partner, David Shiraz. Also notably, Claire, the high profile journalists who were set to be called in the trial, being the project's Lisa Wilkinson and News Corp Samantha Maiden, have been dropped from the witness list.
1: Britney Higgins gave her evidence last week and concluded it on Friday. It sounded like a pretty emotional, combative uh, period of testimony, Kristen.
0: It was definitely a very heated two hours of cross-examination on Friday morning, and this was the end of... Brittany Higgins' cross-examination. She had, in fact, started being examined the week prior on the Thursday. She certainly looked very calm and composed when she entered the courtroom for the final stretch of her cross-examination. But as soon as it was underway, she certainly doubled down on her previous evidence and came out batting away the defence team's suggestions that she had made up the rape allegation out of fear of losing her job and also out of embarrassment.
1: Brittany Higgins was being cross-examined by Bruce Lehrman's defence barrister, Stephen Wybrow, and he took her to what Mr Wybrow said were some inconsistencies in her accounts of what had happened. What did he say in particular about underwear, Christian?
0: Well, Ms Higgins had told the AFP officers who interviewed her last year that she had not been wearing any underwear on the night of the alleged sexual assault. She was wearing a reasonably close-fitting white kukai dress on the night that she went out with drinks for colleagues on March 22, 2019. And she had not worn underwear because the lines of the underwear would have shown through the dress. Ms. Higgins had been very upfront about this with police, telling them that no, Mr. Lamon had not removed her underwear during the alleged sexual assault because she, in fact, hadn't been wearing any underwear. However, on Friday, Mr. Wybrow pulled her up on this because he had a transcript of a conversation Ms. Higgins had had with the project's host, Lisa Wilkinson, and one of the producers from the show, where Ms Wilkinson had asked Ms Higgins if Mr Lemon had removed her underwear and Ms Higgins had confirmed, yeah, he had. When interrogated over this discrepancy in court on Friday, Ms Higgins said it was just a conversation she was having with the journalists to feel them out. She didn't consider it to be a situation where she had to be completely truthful and concrete in her answers. She said she hadn't signed a stat deck saying that what she told them was the truth. It was just an informal chat. And the reason she had misled them on that point was that she was embarrassed that she hadn't worn underwear that night. She said she was embarrassed by it then, she's still embarrassed by it now. And on Friday, she was again embarrassed about it in front of the court.
1: The court heard from a former boyfriend of Brittany Higgins saying that to him, she seemed like a broken person after the incident.
0: That was Miss Higgins' ex-boyfriend, Ben Dillaway, who had recounted to the court how he had travelled to Canberra the week following the alleged assault to comfort and support Ms Higgins and how once she'd made that revelation to him about what had allegedly occurred, a light had gone out in her and he said that, yeah, she was very distressed, very upset and she did seem like a
1: broken person. Bruce Lairman also gave evidence during that time. What did he have to say?
0: Now, Bruce Lairman didn't give evidence in chief in the courtroom himself, it was his recorded police interview with AFP officers from last year which was played to the court. Bruce Lehman rejected that any sexual intercourse took place at all. He said that he had been looking after Ms Higgins on that night out on March 22, 2019 when they were out drinking in Canberra, that he had simply been being a gentleman looking after her as he would any female friend who was out drinking and that they had gone back to Senator Linda Reynolds' ministerial suite to finish off some work and he didn't feel he needed to look after Ms Higgins. He didn't think she was actually that drunk and he didn't know where she was when he left. He just left the office at about 2.30am that morning and went home believing that she would be fine.
1: And have we heard from any of Brittany Higgins' family? Mid
0: last week, Brittany Higgins' mother, Kelly Higgins, was called to give evidence and it was really a brief testimony. She was in the courtroom for all of about 10 minutes on the witness stand. But what she did say was that it was in November 2019 when her daughter finally revealed the full details of her alleged assault. And Kelly Higgins was visibly very upset. But interestingly, Kelly Higgins said that by that point, Ms Higgins had become almost unfamiliar to her and unrecognisable. She said she did notice changes in her daughter around March and April 2019, in that she became very withdrawn, had lost a lot of weight and noticed changes in her personality. And she said that she hasn't been the same since.
1: Kristen Shorten is a journalist with The Australian. There's devastation across southeast Australia as Victoria's record breaking flood crisis escalates. The Prime Minister's called in defence personnel and thousands of homes are without power. You can catch up on the very latest right now at theaustralian.com.au.
0: My name is Manny Carudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on CrimeX Plus
2: on Apple Podcasts.